I want to begin by asking you to imagine for just a moment what it would have been like to live under the law of Moses. If you've read the Bible, if you've had any exposure to the Old Testament, then you have some idea of the requirements of the Jews who sought to have covenant fellowship with God through that law. It would have been difficult. You think about the time it would take just to study the Old Testament and become familiar with those requirements. We read through them and we start getting confused about some of the things that God expected of those Jews. But we have to remember and realize there were real people who lived 2,000 years ago and beyond who did that. They lived under that old law. What would it, what would it have been like? Well, when, when we read the old law, maybe we look at it and we think, well, you know what, that's just, uh, even Peter said it was a burden. And, and these requirements and these expectations and these commandments, maybe the typical thought was that, you know, this is, this is obviously leading to a new covenant. No, probably not many would have thought that. But maybe some would have said, well, this is, gonna, this is someday going to be replaced by a new covenant anyway. So it's, it's not that important. Or this is so difficult. Surely God doesn't expect us to do all of these things. And, and so it would have been easy to just set it aside and not keep those commandments and those requirements. And yet in the book of Hebrews, looking back admittedly, the Hebrew author stated anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy. And then he goes on to say on the basis or the testimony of two or three witnesses. So obviously it wasn't something that you could just dismiss because of its, its difficulty. You could not have said, well, this is just such a burden we're just going to look by faith to the time when this law is going to be replaced, when life is going to be better under that new covenant, and we're just not going to take this that seriously. Well, that's not the way they looked at life under the law of Moses. I think this is especially seen during the time of Christ because before Jesus died, his disciples... His followers had to submit, had to subject themselves to the teaching of Christ when it came to the old law because Jesus himself kept the old law. And it's interesting to consider that Jesus said to his disciples, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law and we're glad he gave us that last statement, or the last part of that statement, until all is accomplished. And what he was referring to there was his death on the cross. So until he died, he taught his disciples, those who were Jews, who were in covenant fellowship with God, you've got to keep these commandments. You've you got you to gotta subject yourselves to these requirements of 
the law. So if you would have lived 2,000 years ago and you were a disciple of Jesus, even as you came to realize perhaps that in some way this old law was going to be replaced by a new, until that happened, until that law was nailed to the cross, you were required to keep it. In fact, we go back and we look at the, the context of the statement that we just read in verse 18. Jesus said in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 5, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. And then he made the statement, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth, would just, earth pass away, we just read that. But in verse 19, Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. He came to establish that kingdom. He said to that generation, some of you will not pass until you see the kingdom come with power. And he's telling them, before that happens, if you make some effort to annul one of the least of these commandments and teach others to do the same, you should be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now that's an interesting point, isn't it? So during this transitional period and, and after the, the death of Christ, immediately prior to the life of Christ, if you keep these commandments, then you're going to be great in the kingdom. You've got the mindset. And that's, I think, one of the significant takeaways here as you're preparing yourself for kingdom living, now you need to show the attitude and the mindset that will carry over and will certainly be much easier, I would argue in some senses, under the new covenant that would be established with my death. Now let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy. I just want to look at a couple of verses here that again would have resonated with those who were living under the old law and certainly in, in synagogue services as they read the scriptures, this would have been read. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 26, See, I am setting before you today as Moses was speaking to the Israelites prior to the entrance into the promised land, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The choice is yours. The blessing, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today, and the curse, if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I am commanding you today by following other gods which you have not known. So if you choose to obey me, you're going to be blessed. If you choose to disobey, you're going to receive a curse. And that takes me back again to the statement here in Hebrews 10, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy. And as you look at the history of the nation of Israel, that's the very thing they did. When they came in and took possession of the promised land, they disobeyed God first in refusing to put to death all those nations. Those nations remained and eventually came to influence the Jews, the Israelites, God's chosen people, to practice pagan idolatry. And it was for that reason that many of them did die without mercy 
when God raised up evil enemy nations to come in and destroy his people as a means of judgment. So the teaching of Jesus was consistent with the teaching of the Old Testament. Those who lived under the law of Moses and were faithful to it. Now he clarified, he did he did speak against the, tradi the traditions of the Jews that had developed through the years and, and came to have in their minds as much significance as the law of Moses. In fact, some of those tra traditions led them to set aside the law of Moses for the sake of their tradition, and Jesus condemned them for that. But you're saying, well, we don't live under the law. So, so what relevance does this have for us today? Well, the relevance is the, the mindset is the same. The mindset that we are to take toward God's law. I want to look at, very quickly, four godly examples of those who lived under the law of Moses during the time of the first century. And I want us to notice that, and this is a reference to Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were the parents of John the Immerser. They're not two of the examples we're going to be looking at, but the examples that we are going to be looking at, the same could have been said about them. In fact, in many ways it was. And that is that they were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. Now, does that sound like an attitude that looks at the burden of this Old Testament law looks at the difficulty of keeping it and says, well, this is just something that I'm really not going to address in my life. No, Zacharias and Elizabeth had the attitude that Jesus taught his disciples to have living under that old law. The first example I want to look at is the example of, of, of Joseph. Joseph was the husband of Mary and he was the earthly father, if you will, of Jesus, the Messiah. And the point I want to make about him is taken from his reaction to the news that Mary was with child. Now, they were engaged. He was betrothed to Mary, which means that they were engaged, and their engagement was much more serious than modern-day engagements as far as the customs of their time. If you, were in, if you were engaged to someone, you could be referred to as their husband or their wife, and you could actually divorce them, even though the marriage had yet to be consummated. Well, in Matthew chapter 1, the birth of Jesus, verse 18, was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now what that means is he's not going to make a public spectacle of Mary who just told him, I'm pregnant, I'm with child. And can you, can you just imagine how that conversation went? Her explaining to him, you know, it, it sounds like the excuses, the excuse of all excuses, doesn't it? But you've got to understand I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. 
Who's going to believe that? Well, if she did tell him that, Joseph at least initially didn't believe it because he was going to divorce her. But then the angel entered the picture and explained to him what happened, and then they continued in that relationship. But look at Matthew chapter 23 in connection with what we just read. We, we, we tend to think of Jews who were living during the time of Christ in, in a negative way because of those who didn't believe the wicked generation, the ones who yelled out, crucify him, the ones who were responsible for his death. And we, we tend to have this idea in our minds that they were all bad. Well, here's Joseph who was living under the old law, living under the law of Moses, and who was not. Jesus, in addressing the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees, stated in verse 23, You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. Now, let's apply that to Joseph. Joseph lived under the law of Moses. We'll see when we look at Mary that they, they sought diligently to keep all of the requirements and the commandments presenting their sacrifices as required under the old law, having their child circumcised on the eighth day. They, they kept all of those details. But why did Joseph decide to put her away secretly? Why did Joseph decide not to disgrace Mary? It's because he practiced justice, mercy, and faithfulness. The weightier provisions of the law. How many men would have done that? How many men would have chosen not to expose her infidelity. He was going to do it secretly because he was a man of compassion. He was a, he was a godly example of one living under the law of Moses. Have you ever wondered why these are referred to as the weightier provisions of the law? What do you think of when you think of a, a weight? You think of a burden. It's a lot more difficult. It's not checklist religion. It's not just coming up with a list of things. I check that, check that, check that. Now we've got to invoke the heart to be compassionate, to be merciful, to practice justice, doing what's right, doing what God would expect of us. What about Mary? Mary is another superlative example. When the angel came to her, told her that she, she was going to be the mother of the Messiah, and again, that's another scenario that's just so hard to get your, your arms around, imagining everything that was going through her mind, and she was most likely a teenager and probably a young teenager at the time. But her response in Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, behold, this is what she said. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. That's the mindset of one who keeps the commandments 
and the requirements of God. That's the mindset of one who is walking blamelessly in all of those requirements. Whether I understand it or not, I'm your servant, you're the potter, I'm the, I'm the clay. You have every right to have your way with me. That's the mindset of one who's going to be great in the kingdom of heaven. In Luke chapter 2, I mentioned earlier how they kept all the requirements of the law. Luke chapter 2, verse 21, when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was given, Jesus, by the angel. But what's, this, what's the point of, of, of Luke telling us eight days? It's, it's a requirement under the Old Testament law. And then verse 22, when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, whether it made any sense or not, whether they understood it or not, Joseph and Mary, living under the old law, kept those commandments. So here was a young mother, a young wife, who wasn't walking around and saying, this is too hard. This is too difficult. But we also see in her something else. We, we see in her at the age of 13 when, when Jesus was left behind in the temple. They came back and they found him discussing the old law. And, and he told them or asked the question, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? They did not understand, verse 50, the statement which he had made to them, he went down with them, came to Nazareth, he continued in subjection to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. So we see someone who is concerned about the details of the law, but we see someone also who had a good and honest heart, who loved her child, who kept all these things within her. She treasured these memories of things that happened as her son grew up. And I just want to suggest to you that, that she treasured other things. Not just that Jesus did, but that Jesus' brothers and his sisters did. She was a good woman living under the old law. Simeon is another example. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. He was righteous and devout. How can you be righteous and devout living under the law of Moses? Well, you can be righteous and devout living under the law of Moses if you're walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the requirements. But notice that he was looking for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? He was looking for the consolation of Israel. The same statement, or a similar statement, with the same meaning, is made in regards to Anna, who we'll look at in just a moment. But we read of her that she was giving thanks to God and she continued to speak to, of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. She was looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. 
What do you see in that statement? Look at chapter 23 of the book of Luke. And here is another example, not one that I've named, but of one who lived under the old law. And he was a member of the Sanhedrin Council. Luke chapter 23, a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, he was the one who had the tomb in which Jesus was buried. He was a good and righteous man, another man living under the law of Moses. He had not consented to their plan and action, that is the plan and the action to put Jesus to death, a man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God. When I look at Simeon, and I see it in Anna, and I see it in Joseph, and it was true of many of the Jews who lived during the first century, who lived under the law, they lived with expectancy. They didn't live their lives looking to the past. They lived their lives looking to the future, specifically the redemption or the consolation of Israel, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, which points to the fact that they were familiar with the Old Testament prophecies. They understood that living under the law of Moses also included knowing the prophets. And they studied the prophets. They read the prophets. They understood that there was coming a kingdom that would put an end to all kingdoms. Another godly example. As we look at these, what's a question that needs to be going through our minds? If we're living under the new law, should we not have the same mindset if anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy, what about the superior law of Christ? What about those who set that law aside? What about those who live with utter disregard to that law? And then Anna, Luke chapter 2, verse 36, a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. What a devout woman. What an incredible example of a woman who's living alone no, not living alone, living with God. Using an opportunity that many would say is reason to just withdraw. Reason to give up. Choosing rather to give her life even more completely. She was not alone. She had God. She had her Heavenly Father. And she served him night and day with fastings and prayers. I think about a statement that Paul made in 1 Timothy chapter 5 when he was writing about those who are widows indeed and are to receive 
ongoing support from the local church, but he wrote of them in verse 5 of 1 Timothy chapter 5, she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. Think about that. That was Anna living under the old law. And that's a mindset that can be carried over for those who would live under the new law. So to ask the question, what would, have been, what would it have been like to live under the law of Moses? Just different requirements. The heart that God expected was the same. And that then begs the question, well, what about? What about today? Look at Hebrews chapter 8. We'll quickly look at several of the statements that are made in the book of Hebrews. And the reason I go to this place is because this is a book that was written to Jews who are becoming weak in faith. Living under the new law, and oddly enough, because of the persecution that they were facing and the suffering and sort of being considered an outcast as they left the old law, were reverting to it. So the Hebrew author set out to argue for the superiority of the new law, the author of that law, Jesus, the superiority of Jesus to Moses. He sets the covenants side by side shows how that the one was based on better promises. It's a better covenant. But he said, if that first covenant, if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. So I want to establish that the point of this lesson is not go back and live under the law of Moses. That law was nailed to the cross. We are living today under the law of of Christ. But we need to look at the Old Testament saints and their example and ask ourselves what can we learn from those examples. Well, going back to Hebrews chapter 2, he writes, for this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Do we do that? Are we paying much closer attention to what we have heard? so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels, and that's a reference to the law of Moses, proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape? It's a better covenant. It's a better priest. It's a better priesthood. It's a better sacrifice. We find forgiveness under this sacrifice. They couldn't be forgiven as the result of the sacrifice and the shedding of the blood of bulls and goats, but we can be. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation after it was at the first spoken to the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, and then God bore witness through the performance of the miracles. How do I live? How does my life compare to Joseph and Mary and Simeon and Anna and Joseph of Arimathea? and all those other examples we have of individuals who lived under what arguably is a much more difficult law. 
even though it was inferior. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 8, after saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. That is Jesus. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. And by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Do I embrace this law that I'm living under? As Joseph and Mary and Simeon and Anna embraced the law under which they were living and I'm living under a much more superior law. Verses 19 through 31 of this, this same chapter go on to, to show the contrast and the significance. And, and so many challenges are, are, are presented to us. Let us draw near with a sincere heart because we have this better law. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Living under this law, when we assemble not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another because we're living under a better law. Are we doing that? If we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, verse 26. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God, verse 31. Read that section. What about today? We have a better law. We have a better covenant. Are we embracing that law? Are we embracing that covenant? Chapter 12, verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. That's Jesus. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. The Lord's going to return. Everything's going to be destroyed. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We've often said that we, we show a lack of gratitude by our complaining, by our murmuring. Well, we complain about coming together. We complain and murmur about things that are required of us, which are so much easier. I have to get exercised about that. So much easier than the burden of living under the old law. You think about the times in your life when you've complained and you've shown weakness living under this new law and, oh, I just don't want to do this. Don't really have to do this. What would you have been like living under the old law? Anyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy. What about those who set aside the, the law of Christ? I think there's some lessons to be learned as we think about what life would have been like under that law, and we look at the example of those who did. This lesson is yours. Let's go to God now in prayer.